let's descend the podcast into a bit of chaos. More chaos. More chaos. That electric moment when a ball hits the back of the net. Unbelievable game. Two great teams going at it. Compared to the other three beside him, he just looks like the new cafe or something. We are making a documentary about how shit our club is. <laughs> VR is bullshit. Who is the biggest cheater in football tonight? Harry Kane, without a fucking doubt. Without a fucking doubt. Good evening and welcome to Thursday Night Babel with myself, Phil and Cousin Mud. Jonathan, hello Jonathan, how are you sir? Hello Phil, I'm very well. I have a Guinness in hand and I'm ready to start talking shit. I have a Heineken 00 in hand ready to also start talking shit. Um, we're, we're on our own this week but we're both excited because next week we will be joined by Arshcast, uh, Andrew Mangan, which I mean, obviously I'm not a Liverpool fan. Um, I'm, not I'm not an Arsenal fan, um, but uh, I read, I'll read all his stuff and I've listened to a lot of things he's been on and I can't wait for it, so I, I'm imagine you're very, very excited, sir. I am. I, I might need to have a whiskey beforehand, to be quite honest. <laughs> so so might I. Um, <laughs> we might have to do it together. Um, Johnny, on tonight's show, we're going to get into more of the things, again, not more football related, but more of the issues around football or stories that are breaking around football. And amidst all of the um, the transfer window wildness stuff was going on, my club, Liverpool, uh, were very quiet. They were doing more deals for players, and like as in contract extensions, which I was uh, delighted with. But also a little snippet came out from The Athletic uh, on Monday that Michael Edwards is going to be stepping down at the end of this season, 2022. And then also 2024, that looks like that is going to be the end of Kloppo and Liverpool. Mm. I think it's. I think that's kind of slipped through the net a wee bit in, through all the chaos of yesterday because you sent that through, right? And this just shows this is probably a lot of people maybe done the same thing. And I was like, oh, yeah, wasn't that sort of announced, you know, with Michael Edwards going? And you were like, yeah, but read the last line. And I was like, oh. Yeah, you missed it. Right, right. That's that's sad for you, of course. Um, I mean, the impact that Jurgen Klopp has had, not just on the football club, but in the city. Um, I think I recall when he was there the first week, first couple of days, I heard a story that, Klopp went down into the city centre and had a pint with the locals. Uh, I mean, just, that was just the first and only time he did that, I think. Yeah, well, you just don't get that. You know, even if he only done it the once, you don't even get that anymore. Could you imagine yeah. Mikael Arteta down the Seven Sisters Road trying to have a pint with a couple of the Arsenal fans? No. I think half of them would probably want to batter him right now, to be honest. Like, but... <laughs> <laughs> it just it just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen anymore. I just thought it was, it was a cool wee story, you know. He kind of wanted to embrace everything about yeah. uh, the city yeah. and the club. He has he has done that. He he has he has absolutely done that. And and I suppose then, like you want my opinion on how I feel after seeing it. It's there still is three seasons of him to go. Then if that, if that's the way it's going to be, he's going to finish twenty twenty four. And three seasons is a long time in football, but. It's uh, just just to to see it or hear it happening is just um, 
it's sad, like I suppose the thing because, like I, I don't see anyone else replacing him, and I don't want anyone else to replace him. Now it could, more than likely, it's going to be Steven Gerrard, and that'll be a whole different mm-hmm. kettle of fish. But, um, mm-hmm. I, I, like just what, what Clapo's done, Clapo has brought us back to, to being English champions again. Um, he got us another European Cup, and uh, he's had he's brought us to a Europa League final, a League Cup final, um. We've always every year under Klopp, there's been a storyline where it's been exciting. Even last year when we were absolutely dusted with injuries, we came third when we looked miles out of it. Our goalkeeper scored the winner mm-hmm. against West Brom after his father had passed away. Klopp lost his mother and still managed to re- find some resilience to manage coach this team and get us through with a defence with Nat Phillips and Reese Williams, may I add, and Ozan Kabak. And get us through and get us in back in the Champions League football, which was so important, obviously going forward for this year for Liverpool for a base with the players all mm-hmm. coming back. It's it's. He finished in second to Man City on was it ninety eight ninety seven points? Yeah, that, the, that the, was incredible. The 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 two seasons sort of chasing Man City and then chasing us was just electric, and we don't know what's going to happen this year. It could be four teams chasing each other. This year could be even uh, more magical, but. It's it, football on the side and the results aside. It's it's the human, like it's the person, and 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 we've heard a lot of lately of like people have been saying more about the human side of of people in football, and I think the pandemic obviously opened up a lot of things. And even I was talking last night about Roy Keane and and seeing more of the human side of Roy Keane. Like I, I adore, I literally adored that. I'm talking about it again. Cause I'm talking about it working again today. That mm-hmm. our podcast with Gary Neville and Roy Keane. And and Klopp has just from day one, there's been a human side. He said in his press conference, "Turn us from doubters to believers," and he's done that now. And he's done done it more. And I guess it's poignant as well for me, which sounds very cringy. That I, today I get my dad gets me a ticket for the Champions League, yeah. so it's the Porto game I'm going to. And I've only seen Klopp manage Liverpool once, so I get to go back there at Anfield and a big European night, full cop. Um, and see Klopp again is very special. So I hope that won't be the last time I see it. But when was the last time you seen Klopp? Sevilla, two thousand seventeen. Right. So that was pretty much. Was that his second year? That was his, that was his first full the season? second second for second full season. Second right? full season. So I they were think, kind of yeah. gaining momentum in the way that he wanted them to do things. Really. Um, I mean, I yeah. don't know anyone out there. Um, maybe Man United fans, I don't know. But personally, I haven't came across anyone that doesn't like Jurgen Klopp just because of the person that he is. Yeah. Um, we spoke recently, I think it was on this podcast, I'm not sure if it was the main podcast, about Klopp sitting down with cop-outs and the way he kind of addresses you know, real-life problems and is not afraid yeah. to tackle them head-on and he doesn't care what you know, maybe some, maybe of the old guard kind of think of him. You know, he wants... Liverpool to be a respectable football club and a football club for everybody. Mm-hmm. And he's shown that over the five years or so he's been there. And for him to come out and do that interview, like <clears throat> I know maybe other clubs have done similar things, but you know, that that was a that was a big situation at the time. It still is, like it's still ongoing. Like you said last night, um that that song was being sung again at the weekend. And clubs you know, we made it very clear, you know, he doesn't want to hear that at Anfield and they're not really supporters of Liverpool that will, will sing songs like that. He wants to hear, you know, Fields of Anfield Road and all that there sort of thing. So 
I mean, he's just a very likable character. And I remember when he was at Dortmund, like I really was praying that he would come to Arsenal because he yeah. he brings that rock and roll football wherever he goes. And you know, he stopped the the Munich dominance uh, in the Bundesliga, and he's come over here. And I mean, to win Liverpool their first league title in thirty years, the amount of managers before him, the trade and field, like Brenton Rodgers was probably the closest before that. And I mean, like he's just. It's just changed that whole club around, even the belief. Like, I'm like you, you and Paddy have talked about the dark days of Liverpool, you know, trying to console me and make me feel like things are going to be better for my own team. But, um, I remember, <laughs> I remember Liverpool under, um, Roy Hodgson. Ugh. Just the, like, we, we, I think it was when Hodgson's first season, the first game of the season was against Arsenal at Anfield. Joe Cole was sent off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think it finished one each, but you know, there was never anything in, in Hodgins Liverpool you kind of feared. And then Rogers came along and you know, done what he done, and Liverpool fans got a bit premature, I think, saying they were going to win the league. And then Klopp came, and every season you've either nearly won the league or you've been in a final of a true of a cup competition. and the, the process, the journey Liverpool fans have been on with Jurgen Klopp has been unbelievable. Like I look on in pure jealousy because I would just love that, love a manager. Like, and we had Arsene Wenger, but like I would love a manager again that I could just love and adore. And but like I would sit in the pub with him for hours and just talk shit and drink pints because I just think he's not just a great football coach but a great human being overall. Like, yeah. You know, the game against Porto will be a special night for you as well. I'm sure you'll get plenty more games before he goes. Like, especially oh, that yeah. he's going. Because yeah. when Wenger left, you know, we just heard he's going in a couple of months. And we were like, oh, shit. So we were on the ball pretty quick. And we got tickets to his final home game, which was, was pretty nice and emotional at the same time when you've had a manager for over 20 years. But at least you and I have the opportunity to know, right, I need to try and get over at least a couple of more games. Like, you can't obviously go every week or... You know, it's just not not possible, especially with with the young man. But you know, that that that's something now that probably you can maybe look at when Finn's maybe a wee bit older now, maybe another year or two. You know, before Klopp goes, you might get him over for a Liverpool game. You might know what the hell's going on. Like, but still, for him to be yeah. there and kind of experience Anfield and Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool, and he can look back on that when he's older and think, I was there when one of the greatest Liverpool teams ever. You know, destroyed Arsenal ten nil at Anfield. You know <laughs> what I don't, what I don't want, and it, it's not that that for me. It'll never, it'll never tarnish anything for me. If Jurgen Klopp walked away this evening, nothing will be tarnished for me. You know what I mean? With what he's done, I don't want them though, because I know there will be people out there will be snotty little bastards. And I, what I don't want is I don't want them to finish up with a league title and a European Cup. I want more. These next three seasons, I want more silver. We always want silver, but I want them to say, I would love number seven this year for Liverpool. Number, uh, oof, them to do that, to win two, to win two in such a short period. Um, it's a huge, huge task, but to win two in such a short period and uh, compete and fight for more league titles, and obviously that, that's what you want. Like, but just to win, I'm even, I can't even going to say this, it's just to win an FA Cup too. I can't believe I'm going to say that, but... To win an FA Cup, to win a League Cup, to get more trophies on the on the on on the trophy cabinet, so we finish it off with so much as much success as he can get. Mm-hmm. And himself, he's been a Liverpool fan, as much success as he can get. Just so when he finishes up, he him himself will have to look back and go, "Yeah, I managed to do something." He's already done something very, very, very special, like breaking that hoodoo and winning that League title. You saw how emotional he was. I was, I was 
doubly emotional myself mm-hmm. and to do that like and and, and th- it'll always be etched nothing there will be taken away from so it was just but good things do come to an end I think as well the Michael Edwards one finished in 2022 is another one that will be fancy to look at and think right okay it's going to be interesting how things change here but there is I think I think it's, it's Ryan Julian Ward is the second in command there and he's, he's a scouser um, and he's going to take over that role uh, Michael Edwards has been superb with what he's done when you look at the players he's brought in the players he's got out and the money he's got for those players going out now I know people will look at the transfer window now that's closed this year this summer at Anfield and think he only added Kanata in he didn't strengthen when you possibly could have and there's been a lot and a lot of frustration amongst the Liverpool fan base but a brilliant thread by Roy Henderson uh, a Liverpool fan on Twitter this afternoon was about how Klopp and Edwards wait and they do they don't rush into things. Liverpool got stung by the Andy Carroll transfer deadline day with Torres and different things. They got stung by it. And the only saving grace was that Fax Suarez turned into be a superstar and mm-hmm. kind of took the heat off a lot of things. So they got stung. And the club then have just been like, we, we're we not doing this anymore. We are not doing this anymore. And, and the, the last time I think I remember them getting someone close to a transfer deadline day was maybe the Ox. Mm-hmm. getting Oxlade Chamberlain and I know people have different opinions on it but he, he's adored by the Liverpool fan base no matter what happens he's adored by us and whatever but they don't do they don't really do that anymore they don't wait until the last minute they don't go for emergency deals unless like last year in January and they know the centre halves they had to they're just like you know what we'll wait they waited on Thiago and they waited and waited and waited and waited and they got him the final that summer they wanted Werner they were going to get Werner or get very close to it. Then the pandemic hit and Chelsea, with more money, and fair enough, Chelsea went and got him. So they went and got Jota. Mm-hmm. They waited on Fabinho. Nobody knew nothing about it. They went and got Fabinho. They spotted Alisson. They waited, they waited, they waited. They went and got Alisson. They spotted Van Dijk. They almost got brought to court over Van Dijk. And they waited <laughs> and they got Van Dijk. Yeah. They don't rush in. They don't go daft. Jurgen Klopp won and Julian Brandt uh, in 2017. We just qualified the Champions League for the first time under Klopp. Jurgen Klopp wanted that, Julian Brandt. Michael Edwards said, no. I have found a footballer. Uh, you'll know him. I have found a footballer I think is going to be uh, brilliant. Mohamed Salah, 40 million. 126 goals or whatever it is and so many appearances. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. <clears throat> they waited on him. They got him. It's... It, 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 the thing is with all the Liverpool fan bases they get a lot of fan bases get sucked up in the fact that you have to do these transfer dealings and instead of looking around and saying well okay yes we didn't get this window we didn't get Saul he went to Chelsea okay we didn't get another attacker um, okay we're maybe a wee bit short because Origi and Minamino don't look like they're going to be getting used that much whatever um, the two lads are going away in January and they're going to miss two league games okay right we still have Jurgen Klopp and we still have the basis, this Liverpool side of a very, very, very good Brent said last night, strong and um what is it comfortable, I think it was, side that are that know each other well, work as such a unit. And then mm-hmm. I, I think people especially in Liverpool fans talking, you need to sort of take a wee step back and think, All right, okay, we haven't maybe gotten who I wanted us to get this year, but it's not as if they're not doing anything. They're not sitting back and going, nah, this is whatever. We'll just sit back on our laurels. They'll be planning. Something will come out. There will be something next summer or something in January, a pre-contract with someone. Something will happen. Just like they did with Kaita and 
just call it Frenchman. I don't know if it'd be a Frenchman or oh, I'd love it to be the normal, the big tall Norwegian, but you know that. <laughs> I, just the need to take. I'm talking to Liverpool fans. Just take a little step back and think. Hang on, do you know what? We have had such an unbelievable journey so far, and look what Klopp's done. Look what he did last year with no centre halves. He got third, like third, with no centre halves, and they were chinned. They were beat six games in a row, and that hasn't happened in ages at Anfield. And they were getting chinned by everyone. Burnley was beating them. Chelsea looked like turned up Anfield. You should have slapped them. About six or seven were so easy. They like chinned by Man City and Klopp managed to work on us and turn it around. So I, I just think like, we're going to have three more years of enjoying him doing this. Let's mm-hmm. get behind it and see what happens. And we will see what happens. Like, But it is, it, it is sad. I'm sure you, the, the thing for you was it was a, like a band aid was ripped off because Finger just announced it and going in a couple of months. Bang. You don't really, you didn't really have a time to, to, to let it sit in and sink in. Whereas for us, it's going to be two or three years now where, you know, even if they go through a bad patch now, say middle of the season, you're thinking, we might just walk now, actually, you know, what's, what's mm-hmm. keeping him? It'll be weird, but it is going to be very, very sad. It's going to be very emotional. I'd love to get Finn over to see uh, Jurgen Klopp, Liverpool side, before he, he moves on. But then it'll be the excitement of who comes in next. And football doesn't stop. It keeps rolling. So, yeah, I, I, I'm sort of, I'm looking forward to enjoying these next three seasons. Yeah, I think he, that's, that's all you really can do. Um, I'm just curious about Michael Edwards, but... What's the reason for him going? Is he has he got a new job or is he just saying no? It, it sort of looks like he is just he's had enough of running the Liverpool operations. Right. I think he's going to stay within FSG um, and do something for them. <clears throat> um, but I think for Liverpool and possibly football, he's maybe just done for now. He was an ex-pro. He played for Peterborough and then he was at Spurs and Damien Camoli brought him to to Anfield when he moved across and he's been a, a brilliant success ever since and uh, the people are just wondering wonder will Julian Ward and, and uh, Mike Gordon and Klopp will they have the same click as Edwards and Gordon and Klopp but I don't see I really don't see any issues with that to be honest what I've read coming out of the club and what other people would know a lot more about it than me seem to be saying so it's he's a brilliant um mastermind and the transfer window and with contracts and different things and, and there's no reason to say Julian Ward can't be that as well so again pardon me that, it's exciting too like someone else coming in maybe new ideas you never know what can happen but what you don't want to happen is the David Dean scenario that would be the, always have been the worry for me uh, yeah. beforehand we didn't have him <clears throat> and I always looked at David Dean I've never talked about this enough but I always looked at David Dean as, as, as the pinnacle I always liked the way Arsenal were run under David Dean and Arsenal Wenger. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I was a, 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 an answer away from being an Arsenal fan when Dad get, asked me, th- do you want to support Nottingham Forest, Arsenal, Liverpool? And I picked Liverpool. And I was literally one answer away from even having torturous time as an Nottingham Forest fan or having an absolute chaotic time as an Arsenal fan. <laughs> uh, so lucky. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm lucky. Maybe I'm lucky now, but like I, I missed out on following Henri and Overmars and Bergkamp and and, and um, uh, Arsenal Wenger. But I always looked at that Arsenal, uh, that Arsenal structure and thought, that, that, is, that is so brilliantly well run. And you always heard people talking about it being so well run. Mm-hmm. And like other clubs uh, would have been spent in... Tons and tons of money, and that was all right. And I know Arsenal didn't after was it 2000. And, what was the last league title? 2004? 2004, yeah. 2004. And then obviously the Chelsea money came in, and United still started. United were always spending, 
there's the misconception that United didn't spend big on the transfers, but Fergie did spend big, but it was just because um, the, t- the thirty million in Rio Ferdinand at the time was yeah, know? exactly. Do you know what I mean? It's just because the, the transfers look silly now. Yeah, but he did. He spent and he spent well, Fergie. Like I don't get me wrong, he spent well. They were the biggest club in England, um, but Arsenal always did it something a little bit different. They were always found gems. Do you know what I mean? Like Colo Toure and he pulled pulled people out of the hat and he, whatever. And I just loved the way they did it. And, and you always felt that it was a real, really, really well professionally run club with yeah. dignity and with um, uh, responsibility. And it was just really, I looked at it like that's a really, really well run business. If I was running a business now, I would look at that Arsenal model under Dean and Wenger and think, what were they, how well were they doing this here and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And that's the way Edwards has run it with Liverpool now. Now there has been obviously certain um, incidents, but that has more come from above them, sort of FSG, John Henry, and maybe Tom Werner coming from them with certain things happening. Obviously, the Super League and then taking prices. I've gone over that enough. But um, the way Edwards has run it and the way Klopp has run it is very similar. To, I think anyone looking on the, on the looking at both things is the way those two did it, Dean and Wenger. And, that would be that would have been the worry for people is how will Julian Ward take over and it's be really interesting to see what happens it it can be it could be great it could maintain being great or it could be a shit show but it's all part of the dance yeah I can, def- I can definitely see your your worry in the fact that's the David Dean effect and in the negative way once he went you know give Wenger too much work to do and it doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah, like it all I, gets lumped on Arsene Wenger that 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 is that yeah. was the failure of Arsenal, and he was, as you said, he had too much control, and that was it. it was, that was the failure, you know. He, he's he's wrecked this club, which he didn't, and that is horrendous thing to, to label Arsene Wenger. But it doesn't get talked about enough how David Dean went, and there just wasn't someone there to replace him. Yeah, I mean, even Arsene Wenger going like. When I said earlier, we were kind of surprised we didn't have enough time to kind of digest Wenger going. We thought Wenger had another year's contract, so we kind of yeah. thought, oh, we're going to have him another year anyway. Um, but yeah, nobody really replaced David Dean and nobody really replaced Arjun Wenger. You know, and the blame is with the ownership at that club because they they knew Wenger was going, they knew David Dean was away, and they didn't put plans in place to replace those roles and those you know, those personalities around the club. And Liverpool seem to do it a different way and it seems like they are replacing, you know, Michael Edwards with the right guy and Klopp was there and them two will work well together. And I, I can see what you mean totally by Wenger and Dean and Klopp and, and Michael Edwards. You know, it does seem very similar with the fact that Liverpool have sold well, you know, they sold Coutinho and got Van Dijk. <laughs> I mean, you can see where Coutinho's um, career has gone since he's left Liverpool. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you can see the way the way Arsenal went after David Dean left. Um, David Dean pulled out one of the best transfers, free transfers ever. And when you know, a few journalists and photographers showed up thinking Richard Wright was sending for Arsenal, and that was the press conference. And David Dean and Arsene Wenger walked around the corner with Sol Campbell, you know, Tottenham's captain. Can you imagine, Johnny, if that happened now, what social media would be like? It, it, like. It, I it think, would I think Twitter would, yeah, I think Twitter would actually break down. It's just it, nobody knew that transfer happened. Nobody knew it was coming, <laughs> and he's just sitting there like beside Arjen Wenger, and Wenger has that cheeky smile, thinking, 
I've done them, you know. I've done them here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, mate, like, you just, you don't get that now. You know, people, there's whispers and there's rumours and people know what's happening and so on. Like, the Ronaldo thing came out and people knew he was going to either City or United. And, you know, that the conversation with, with Ferdinand, or sorry, with Fergie came out pretty quickly. He was the one who convinced him. But, yeah, like, you know, people like David Dean were just, they were great. They're great for the club. And Arsenal have lost a lot of people behind the scenes, you know, since, you know, the move from Haybury and stuff. So there are those characters that, that are missing in that club. But, like, I don't see that situation happening with Liverpool. Like, the no clubs going now in a couple of years. I would say Stephen Gerrard is being lined up. You know, the pieces are being put together for Gerrard to come in and hopefully succeed and do well. Um. I imagine that that's you. You did say that's who you think is going to come in anyway. Stevie G, you know, he'll have another couple of years at Rangers and develop further. Um, and it probably looks like this year Celtic may get them a bit more of a closer run than last year. So, I mean, Stevie G understands that football club. They we they played there for so long, and it seems like the perfect fit, you know. And it's a bit different to the situation with Arteta at Arsenal. You know, Arteta's came straight out of a assistant coach role into one of the top jobs in England, and. It hasn't worked out well for him, but Gerard's getting that experience, and you can see how well he's doing with Rangers up north. And you know, he stopped Celtic getting the ten in a row, and you know, he done very well in Europe last year as well, Stevie G. So I, I think he'll he'll be a good fit for Liverpool. Um, and you'll have you have guys there like Trent, who obviously would have idolised Gerard growing up. So they're they're I think I think he'll do well. Um, I'd love but, him to do well. I I would I would. I would love it. I would love it. Um, um, but another league title with DVG. <laughs> he'll, get, he'll get his Premier League winners medal eventually. If you thought I was crying when Klopp led us to glory and Jordan Henderson, um, who by the way signed new deal and you didn't let me talk about him on the on the on this week's Bible. Your own fault. Um, you said at the end anything any other business. I know. I forgot, but like I was very actually, very mean. I blame I blame Razor to be fair. I think it's his fault. I don't imagine getting engaged. Like, I know. Um, but oh, we'll see. I don't even want to think about it. I just want to enjoy um, Kloppo and, and what's been going on. You mentioned there, um, obviously, you mentioned Stevie G, Johnny. Mm-hmm. And we were we went out for a walk around the tune uh, a couple of weeks back, and we walked past um, the Celtic Supporters Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were just both chatting about how, like, you know, Celtic and Rangers, because obviously we're, we're, we're from the north of Ireland, we're from Northern Ireland, um, and, and everybody knows what goes on here between Glasgow Celtic and Glasgow Rangers uh, and the nonsense side of the things. But we always said, like, if there wasn't that, if there wasn't, there would still obviously be, they'd still hate each other because two teams on the same side. But if there wasn't sectarian bullshit, like, when you scale back, you could maybe find yourself, you would support the clubs. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that what we both thought? Yeah, 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 like... I did say if there wasn't the nonsense with Rangers and Celtic, um, probably because of, and that's the thing, like it's because of my background and, you know, my the way I was brought up, you know, religiously wise, that you would automatically fall in with with Celtic, um, which I never did, you know, my my none of my parents or anything like that support Celtic, but um, I mean, Celtic and Rangers, the two clubs together, they. They're massive. They're massive, massive football clubs, and taking away all the nonsense, all the bullshit. The clubs themselves, you know, they do a lot of good things in the background. They do a lot of good things in the community. Um, you know, there's the Celtic Foundation. Um, 
I was reading about earlier on. I actually haven't got a chance to have a look at Rangers yet, but you know, the talk about helping poverty on in, in Glasgow on their doorstep and beyond and trying to help education for children and, and even adults, you know, combating social issues and things like that. So they do a lot of good things, but it's it's never talked about probably in the media because there's always bullshit of sectarian abuse and flags and all sorts of shit. Like I know recently their Celtics new, uh, I think he's Japanese player, was racially abused by by Rangers supporters online, and Rangers were straight in, banned them straight away, and like that that's great for Rangers, like you know that they're taking action and they're not taking mm-hmm. any of that shit. Um, and then I did see an article. I don't know if it was you shared it with me, Phil, or where I seen it. I seen it on Twitter anyway, but it was about how Rangers were good and straight in and cut out this abuse, but you know, games with the sectarian abuse and so on. There doesn't seem to be as much from either end. You know, they just let it go on. I mean, it's very hard for a football club to throw out 25, 30,000 supporters who are all doing the same thing. <laughs> what, what are you going to do? Yeah. Empty the entire stadium? And I, I, I don't agree that it's right. It's not right. Mm. But yeah. I can I can understand the clubs are kind of their hands tied in certain situations. But they are. They're, they're great football clubs and if it wasn't for the nonsense between the two of them, you probably would support one of them. Um, it's your Celtic have won a European trophy, for God's sake. You know, they're the only... European Cup? Yeah, so, like, you know, they have more European Cups than Arsenal, you know? So, let's not underestimate, the, you know, the size of Celtic and the size of Rangers as well. They're, they're both huge, and I have friends who support both both clubs, and... Yeah, me too. They're, like, they're good people. They're all good people, but when it comes sometimes to Celtic and Rangers... Some of the things they say, I just don't agree with it. And I'm just like, all right, you know, it's more like if one of the one of the supporters of, you know, Celtic or Rangers does something wrong, you know, the other side will be like, oh, poor old Celtic, poor old Rangers, typical bullshit. You know, it's it's more of a they did or she did. He it's did a them and the nothings. Yeah. It's the exact same as the politics that we have here. Mm-hmm. Uh in, in Northern Ireland, it's the exact same. It's them and us. It's them and us and, and, and usings and us and all this here nonsense. And it is like I I, I grew up in a mixed marriage. Uh, I've, uh, oh, that's finished Rex up and upstairs there. Um, <laughs> I've experienced both sides of, of the divide, not not from family, but from friends, through school, through whatever sports clubs. Um, and what would probably have more, would have had a more of an inkling. T- towards um, Celtic just through friendship group that I grew up with when I was a teenager and different things um, and they're all great great people like uh, and mm-hmm. I thoroughly enjoyed watching games with them and uh, and whatever but it is there was always for me that element not from them like not from them at all but that element of the sectarianism and the underline well it wasn't really underline but with it and it just did put me off whereas I think Openly and honestly, like I think I probably could have been um, a fan of of Celtic or Rangers, really, depending because there is such a massive uh, support over here. I could have been persuaded if I wasn't really a Liverpool fan to follow one of them and to enjoy following one of them because I used to get a wee bit jealous. Not gonna lie about how many times a friend of mine, I don't know if he listens or not, but too to low if you do, uh, could get to 
Celtic games, he could go almost every every other weekend. And I was like, that is an absolute nuts. He just bounces on a bus, gets on a boat, and away he goes, home and away. And he goes and he goes all over Europe. And I would be jealous of that because I just couldn't do it with Liverpool. But he can do it, and he, and he was so into it. And I was just was I was jealous of that, that click that he had, that group that he could go on away games with. Um, and it's certainly something I wanted to do at the time. It's never got around to doing it. And it would have been interesting how... Because sometimes I think an experience can really alter. Do you know, I I obviously have the Real Oviedo links because I bought that membership, right? Mm-hmm. And the time we went to Real Oviedo for my birthday, and then unfortunately the Spanish Federation changed the dates of the game, and we missed out on the game. I missed out then on that atmosphere, but I think if I had got there and got in the ground and got to hear that atmosphere during the game, I could have come home properly hooked. Mm-hmm. Properly hooked. It's like that buzz you get, you know that buzz when you got first time you went to Highbury, first time I went to Anfield, uh, playing Newcastle in the league, Mike Lawrence scored a hat trick, and I that was it, bang, that was it, done. Mm-hmm. First time I went to that I remember being at the Northwest, I was yeah. also Grand Prix with my dad and joined an upcom fast, bang, that was it, done. That hooked, hook it to my veins, this is it, and I think that's what probably might have changed things, but it is interesting. Like I would love to see it where it isn't as. I still love the bite of the two clubs when they're playing each other. I still like the rivalry to a point, but the, the sectarian nonsense that comes with it and, and, and different things, obviously, that's just poor and, and horrendous. But without those, yeah. then it'd be so interesting. It'd be interesting to see without that, what way that would affect the fan bases here, whether people, some people maybe support one of them because of that and they enjoy it which each to your own. And some people maybe would gravitate towards it because it wouldn't be part of it now and they'd feel more comfortable supporting one of them. Um, but yeah, it is interesting. I, I, I would love to experience uh, an old firm derby. Actually, <laughs> it would be mental, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to sit like a neutral... Like, but I don't like sitting in VIP boxes or whatever, but I have to sit like a neutral box sort of yeah. away from anything because I'm just completely dung myself. Uh, um, there's there's the big Celtic fan, the singer, what's his name? Um, Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart, yeah, we'll go sit beside Rod. <laughs> we'll, we'll have the crack and be like, hey, Rod sings a tune. Bye. I think he yeah. tried to sing a Celtic song, didn't he, when he performed Belfast and he almost yeah. got the, the Odyssey burnt to the ground? <laughs> he probably <laughs> did, yeah. Yeah. Fair so He's a big following over here, obviously, for um, the Celtic links, I believe. So, yeah. Yeah. There's also still a few people wearing a, a copy and a haircut, and that, that <laughs> needs to. My son, actually, currently, um, but that needs to suffice. You, before we finish up on the show, you wanted to tell everyone about a, a TV show to watch, I believe. Oh, yes, yes. Um, so, it's actually a Marvel TV show. Good man. Uh, of course, what it is. If? It's on Disney Plus. Now it's the wee cartoon thing, but pretty much what if is about scenarios in the Marvel universe if they were in like a it's basically like the multiverse. So the first episode is you know the first Captain America movie. Mm-hmm. So it basically tells the story but in a different way. So one thing different in the story changes the whole timeline. So instead of Steve Rogers becoming Captain America, it's Peggy Carter. She becomes, she gets put into the into the wee uh, machine and she turns into basically Captain America, except she's not called Captain America. And the whole timeline's different. And it basically the question is, what if 
something different happens, you know. Um, okay. It's pretty good, you know. There was one about um, Chadwick Boseman's character of uh, Black Panther, and he basically is Star Lord in outer space. Oh, is that why there's been a lot of people talking about Chadwick again now? Well, it was his anniversary there, his um, yeah. TV anniversary uh, recently. But yeah, that episode was on last week. And then there was, they're released every Wednesday. So there was one today about Doctor Strange. So if he didn't, instead of losing his hand, he lost his heart. So basically the woman that he's in love with in the film, she dies in this cartoon instead of him getting into the car accident. So uh, it, it shows like different, you know, universes and how things can change. So I think it's kind of leading maybe giving you a wee snippet into what's going to happen in the future movies with Marvel because obviously the multiverse is coming and Spider-Man um, is coming out at the end of the year and there's chats of, you know, Tobey Maguire appearing at it again, Andrew Garfield alongside um, Tom Holland. So, I mean, it's it's just the start of more madness in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I love. It's it's great. I just watch all sorts of random shit. Like, Who's the best Marvel character? First one come in your head. That's all you can answer. Uh, well, my favorite is obviously Iron Man. I think he's just the best, you know. R.I.P. Yeah. Tony Stark, love you. Um, like I've never ever created a film like, but I created Endgame. I swear to God, it was just terrible. It is, it is, it is, it is emotional. Like it was so. I think we, it. I think we covered this before, didn't we? We covered this before. Um, I Brandon's great. Yeah, Brandon's great. A man's Captain America, just in case you anyone cares. Wish. I can't remember what year. Who, who did we give you? Ant Man, was it? Oh, no, my favorite character is Captain America. I oh, right, your Captain favorite America. character. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. Bratton's favorite character is Groot anyway, so. I uh, well, he looks like him. Yeah. Um, yes, that is that will do us for Thursday Night Babble. Obviously, we'll be back next week um, with a special episode with a special guest, Andrew Magnum from Arse Blog and Arse Cast, and just an absolute genius. Uh, we can't wait to talk about it. Talk to. I'll probably take a step back. Actually, to be honest, just let you talk about Arsenal and just really enjoy it. I might get a load of beers in. Um, but folks, thanks uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Thursday Night Babble. Uh, we've had some really nice feedback on them uh, so far and I'm glad you all enjoy it. Um, we enjoy, it just gives me enjoying another chance to talk shade for half an hour um, on a podcast. I mean, Pretty thank much. you very much. Uh, get all of our podcasts on your podcast apps. Uh, just look for the Football Babble pod. And that'll be out. The Thursday night babble is recorded um, on a Thursday evening, and then it's out Thursday night. So look out for it. You'll probably be able to get a Thursday night first thing Friday morning. The Patreon link as well, Jonathan. Patreon.com forward slash football babble. There you are. That's that. Go head over to onto our Patreon. I know Brenton put a link up on Instagram earlier for it. Head over onto it if you fancy and donate one pound a month, one English pounds a month towards the Bible. that's all we're asking for 12 pound a year it's a great deal it helps us helps us produce more content and get better and um we're really steadily growing folks so thanks everyone for like getting involved or new listeners as well we really appreciate it and when you see our podcast well subscribe and if you're on itunes on apple leave us a wee review as well folks thanks very much we will see you again on monday evening talk about more of the football enjoy international football which start started on wednesday night there and good luck <laughs>